Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. So we started today by talking about the three churches and I'm committed to building a truth honouring church that honours God. Uh, you know, sometimes you go on Facebook and you go on, uh, you know, maybe we should spend less time on Facebook and more time in Facebook because uh, a lot of people on Facebook, they're not in their Facebook and they're kicking it out of the park all the time and you've got people starting off thinking, I'm never going to achieve that and we start comparing, you know. I love the fact when Peter and John stand in front of a crippled man in Acts chapter 3, the first thing they realise is what they didn't have. If you want to discover what you've got, discover what you haven't got because then God can do something. I said, silver and gold we don't have but what we do have we give to you. And it's the first statement is we're not going to give you what we can't give you. And you know how many pastors are having burnouts because they're giving what they know they can't give, but they're pretending to give it so they won't lose people from the church. And so what happens is they don't know, rather than saying, no, I can't do that, that's not just who I am, but I'll send that person. And people get offended, but you're the pastor. And, you know, and so there's a lot of shift in the body of Christ, but we want to build truth-honouring churches. And if we're going to build not just a trendy church, or stay in a traditional posture, we need to build um, the stages. And I actually feel prophetically you're going to pick up where you guys are at in this season of the church. We haven't had any conversations about the church, have we? We've just, uh, it's just been nice to catch up personally and just talk about our journeys with God, but we haven't talked church stuff. So let the Holy Spirit guide what comes out today. But what I discovered, and this is just Edge's story. By the way, if you want to know why our church was called Edge, because I had so many Christians react to me and write me nasty letters about why would I call a church Edge Church, that's a really stupid name and uh, and uh, and I had to go many times over and over and say church it's a prophetic word and what it is is when Joshua stood at the edge of the Jordan God said I'm going to take you where you've never been before and he says get out from your positions and when we started Edge Church God said I'm going to reposition Christians So they're going to go where they've never been before. And as you stand at the edge of innovation, at the edge of poverty. So listen to this. People got really upset with us that it wasn't a religious name. And then we had a whole bunch of politicians come to one of the edge conferences that you were at. And one of the federal politicians came up to me and he goes, love your name. I thought, can you tell the Christians that, you know? He He goes, love your name. And I said, why do you love my name? Why do you love our name? He goes, you know, when you are in outer space and you're looking down on the earth, the light is all around the edge. And here's a non-Christian prophesying (laughs) our vision. (laughs) Well, Christians were getting all knotted up about it, you know. So, you know, and so as I look back now, after many, many years, I can... I can look back and see what God did. At the time, we were just trying to survive and keep our head above water. And so in stage one, if you want to... I'm going to go a bit slower. In stage one, I believe, uh, before you write anything down, you'll, you'll understand this better. We've started a church in England and we've started a church in Singapore and one in New York. But the one in England was just a miraculous, and I can't tell you the story, uh, four people praying for someone to come. We didn't know they were in Bristol. Your son, Tim, where's Tim? Tim was there, just uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tim's been to visit our church in Bristol, and so he'll tell you, you know, I'm telling you the truth. We've got a beautiful building. Four people had been praying. Some people before them had died and gone to heaven, praying that a pastor or a team would come to Bristol. And I remember two years earlier standing in John Wesley's chapel in Bristol, grabbing the podium and saying, God, do it again. God, do it again. We don't want to just hear about history. We want to build history, not knowing that two years later he would call us to Bristol. Now, listen, Edge Church, my life message is building according to pattern. John Wesley's built the Methodist Church. What is method? It is pattern. And so when you go up into his room where he used to pray, his mission statement is identical to my mission statement had no idea. This is John Wesley. And so when we started the church, there were four people praying that someone would come. We met four elderly people in a cafe that heard we were going to start a church in Bristol and handed us a check for £740,000 and said, we've been praying. We've had this money in the bank and no church. And if you'll take this money... And so we now have a church in Bristol. We've bought the building that we're in. It seats quite a several hundreds of people. It's it's in a beautiful business park. And we meet four strangers in Bristol, England. I mean, it's an incredible story. So I want to say this to you. I'm in Bristol one day, and we're about 300 people at this time. And I'm walking around the room, and I'm bawling. And I'm saying, God, how did this happen? How did this happen? You know, how did we get here? And he said to me, it's virgin birth. It's virgin birth. Now, we'd just come through Christmas. It was early in January when I, or February when I was in Bristol, and we'd been through Christmas. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I will bless what I seed from heaven. You can't plant churches because you decide to plant them. They have to start by the seed that comes from heaven, and our flesh cooperates. So when Mary was carrying Jesus, she was carrying supernatural seed from heaven with her natural partnership with God in bringing forth Jesus and he said if you want to bring forth a new move of God if you want to bring forth something great in God it has to be virgin birth it has to start in heaven not on earth it can't be a good idea it has to be a God idea and if it's God that's why Abraham when God says to Abraham take your son your only son he had two sons He had Isaac. I shared it with the pastors yesterday. He had Isaac and he had Ishmael. But God will never speak to you about what you start in your flesh. He will only speak to you about what he starts from heaven in the spirit. Which means when he starts it, you build it by revelation. When you start it, you build it by reason. And that's why people are going off and starting churches. Then they crash a year down the track. Because they did it out of reason with a good heart for God. But they didn't do it out of revelation. Listen to this. I've never seen this until this year. uh, Late last year, 2017. Where um, Moses comes down from the mountain and the people have built a golden calf. Did you know that God doesn't speak to Aaron at all about the golden calf? Doesn't even talk to him about it. Because God never told him to do it. He speaks to Moses. He goes, sort out what's going on here. Your people are doing this. And not once does God speak to Aaron because Aaron wasn't supposed to take the role of, that he took in building the golden calf. And I, f- I felt God say to me, there's going to be churches birth that are going to be trendy churches and traditional churches that are born out of good reason, but they're not virgin birth. And if they're not virgin birth, they are not going to have the stamp of God on it. And so they'll just go through the motions and division will come and division will come and people will move further and further away from God and eventually they won't even want to go to church anymore. And I don't want to build that church. I want to build. And so in stage one, I asked God what grew our church. 
I said, God, what are the things that grew Edge Church in the early days? And I believe this is what he showed me. Number one, sovereignty. Now you know why I've told you about virgin birth, right? It's sovereignty. It's sovereignly born of God. Um, I can tell you the day God called me. I can tell you how he called me. I can tell you how Pastor Andrew sent me to pastor the church as well and how supernaturally that happened. So it's sovereignty. Number two, our church grew because of a contemporary expression. So it's not wrong to be contemporary. There were so many churches around where we went and they'd never cut the lawns, the toilets stunk, nobody had ever cleaned them, uh, you know, the sign. There was one church, was AOG, and I won't tell you the suburb, and the, um, some of the letters had fallen off, you know. So it was the uh, og of God, um, you know, and people didn't even fix the broken signs. And so... Uh, but there's a Woodcroft shopping centre. Oh, I've given you the suburb now. Not that that matters anything to you. But there's a Woodcroft shopping centre five minutes from our church and they build a childcare centre there. And they build um, beautiful facilities and clean toilets and that's a pub. And you think the church is saying, come to Jesus. Yeah. But everything around us looks like it died 100 years ago and we want people to come. And so we didn't do contemporary to be trendy we just did contemporary to earn the right to be heard in our community. Yes, and so we did new toilets and that warehouse was so ugly, but we did it up and year by year we fixed it up and then people started coming and people started coming because they realised that this wasn't sort of behind the times people that are not in touch with their community. So there's nothing wrong with contemporary if you have the right why behind your what. There was sovereignty, there was contemporary, there was excellence. The Lord spoke to me about that, which I won't go into because I want to touch on some other stuff about teams. So um, hospitality, team, there was an incredible sense of momentum. There was a fun atmosphere. We did life together. There was provision for all areas of need in the house, youth, children. We started two childcare centres that are now four of the top in the country. And we've got waiting lists for people to come in. And ladies and gentlemen, in one of our campuses in the western suburbs, probably half the people coming in are Muslims and they're starting to get saved. And I want to tell you, it's amazing. And that was a church that Pastor Penny built many years ago. Steve Penny was the, uh, the guy that designed the building with his dad. And a prophecy was given to them all those years ago that children will be running through this place. And most of the people in the church when we took it over were over 65 and there was no children. And today we have a full childcare centre there with kids running through the place and the kids are bringing their parents to church or their they're the reason why the parents are coming to check out the church. And we've got Muslims getting saved and people from African nations getting saved and coming in. And, but people left our church because we're spending too much money on excellence, you see. And you see, that's what Judas did, didn't he? See, if we have a stingy spirit, we can spiritualize it. And Judas says, you know, we should have sold that perfume and given it to the poor. He didn't give a rip about the poor. Um, he was just being stingy. And so God told, taught us how to build atmospheres of generosity and provision for all areas. We had great personalities in the platform. We had good programs from the platform and for the people in their homes. All the above can't be sustained forever if that's all we do. Now, I want you to hear me. Most people join a church because that church is in a good stage one. Good youth program. I ask people, why did you join the church? I ask people, nearly in every church I go to, why did you join the church? Oh, they've got a great youth program. They got a kid. No one has ever said to me, we love the vision of this church. They've only spoken to me about what they get from the church. 
Isn't that amazing? When you're moving around Australia, they go, oh, the kids' program, the youth program. And that's great. We never want to stop having stage one. You never want to not have a good youth program. You never not want to have a good children's program. But if that's the only reason why people join the church, someday someone's going to do a better youth program. Another church, you know how many pastors freak out every time Hillsong comes to town? I get phone calls from all over Australia. Do you think Hillsong will come near us? And I think, well, if what you're doing is virgin birthed, Yongi Cho can start next door to me, but if what I'm doing is virgin birthed, God will bless me and him. Because it's born of God. It's only one church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. But if you started this and Hillsong comes to town, then I'd panic too. (laughs) You know? So, you know, but if God started it, who's going to argue with God? And that's why it's important that God's in it. And so what happens, listen to me really carefully. In stage one, we have a feel-good fellowship church. Feels good. Everything's working. Everybody's happy. Nobody's punching anybody's lights out. But, you know, I was in England one time preaching in a church in Liverpool. And just before I got up to preach, a little old man comes up with his piano accordion. He's got this piano accordion. He would probably be 80 and he was half deaf. And he's going, Pastor Danny, I played piano accordion every Sunday. And so he goes, they love me here. They love me here. I played the piano accordion. And so the pastor heard what was going on. And he says to me, you know, this, is, this is what he said to me. He says, he doesn't know. He plugs it in. It's an electric piano accordion. He plugs it in. And when we start the worship, we unplug it. Because we don't want to offend him. So we want him to feel that he's part of the team. But if we plug him in, he plays out of tune. He doesn't. And instead of taking that man on a journey to his next, they patronised him. And made him feel like he was part of something when they're actually switching him off. And that's when the Holy Spirit said to me, that's what happens when we build feel-good fellowship churches to keep everybody happy, but we're not ready to address anything. And so what happens is people all end up in the wrong place and eventually something hits the wall. And I said to God, so how do we build stage two? He said, stage one is a feel-good fellowship church. Stage two is an ownership church. Where people, now let me explain it to you because I wrote it down this afternoon as easy as I can explain it. Stage one is about programs and people. Stage two, you still have programs and people. You don't get rid of it, but you build pattern and purpose. You build the pattern of the Bible on how to do leadership. And you build the purpose of where this church is going. I call it alignment for assignment. We come into alignment for the assignment. And this is what I believe. I hope you don't get mad at me. I I believe it with all my heart. God actually has a purpose for an ecclesia, a church. And people should never join that church because their ministry is going to be unpacked in that church. They should join a church and say, how do the gifts on my life help me to come into alignment for the assignment that's on this house. And what happens is God in his supernatural power unlocks you into your destiny through you not living for your destiny, but living for the bigger picture. So as you give yourself to come into an alignment for the assignment, because people join churches and they always say, I just want to serve. I just want to serve. But I haven't interviewed anybody yet that doesn't want to preach or teach or want platform. Nobody says, Pastor Danny, I want to serve and I'll clean toilets. You know, they, they, they want to say, oh, God brought us here, Pastor Danny, to help you. What would you like to do? We really feel we have a teaching gift. Well, how many teachers can I have on my staff? 
And the fact of the matter is, we're not here to promote our gift. We're here to say, what is the assignment on this place that's been given to this house by God? And how does my gift come into alignment for assignment? A Rolls Royce, and I, was, I went for a drive-in one recently because we started a church in Singapore with an 100-year-old man. We've started a church in Singapore for a, with a 100-year-old man that's been praying for 40 years for us to come. When he picked us up, his driver picked us up in Singapore airport, we didn't realise he was one of the richest men in Singapore and we got picked up in a brand new Rolls Royce. That man now has given us a building on Orchard Road in the main street of Singapore to start a church. It's amazing. He's 102 now. So he, This happened when he was 100. We went to his 100th birthday, still playing golf on Saturdays as a 100-year-old man. And certainly, I've got too many stories. I can't tell you all the story. <laughs> I throw them in there, you know, and, and so... But that Rolls-Royce, to say all that, to inspire you with testimonies, but that Rolls-Royce was so smooth. The driver said, take your shoes off and feel the carpet with your feet. I had just come, listen to this, I had just come from Cambodia, where I went around Cambodia in tut-tuts, where every time they tried to charge me double, because they looked at me and they go, too big, too big. (laughs) So I'm going around rubbish dumps, In a tut-tut, and then we fly to Singapore and we're in a Rolls-Royce because if God can't trust you with a tut-tut, he can't trust you with a Rolls-Royce. And so we're feeling the carpet under our feet. But you know something? If the wheels on that Rolls-Royce were out of alignment, no matter it's a $1.5 million Rolls-Royce, it would still ride very rough. If the wheels were out of alignment, the car would still be bumpy, no matter how expensive. And I'll say, no matter how big the church, how nice it looks, if we're not in alignment for assignment, we get held back, we stay in a little bit of addition, but we don't go into multiplication. And so what happened is 10 10 years, 10 years into our church, God speaks to me. We went on 10-year anniversary of the church. They sent my wife to a Hawaiian Islands a boat cruise. It wasn't a good one. Uh, I hated it, to be honest. It was a really bad ship, and they took it out of service after our trip, and I got sick with the food, and it was terrible, but it was cheap on the internet. My wife booked it. <laughs> the church paid for it, but she booked it, and then we ended up with the wrong, wrong ship. But anyway, that's when God changed the whole journey of our lives as a church to where does God go on Monday? I wrote a book you know about where does God go on Monday he began to open up the scriptures but what it was I didn't realize at the time it wasn't just projects it was God had an assignment for our church and what happened is when God gave us the clarity of that assignment people started let me tell you some of the most critical people in the church that gossiped and were critical when they came into alignment for a bigger picture assignment they dropped all their negative stuff and they became more positive and they got on board and they didn't deal with their personal issues as they started going into the women's prison and we started going into the community all of a sudden their problems didn't matter anymore because they saw bigger issues and they started serving and our church had a major shift and we went from feel good fellowship church to ownership church because we didn't just give people programs because ladies and gentlemen programs will keep people in church but biblical pattern will keep people in Christ we can't just keep people in church or we'll end up with churchians we're going to have people in Christ so we end up with Christians and so you know God began to show us in our 10th in our second stage, that we had to build pattern and purpose and ownership. And then stage three 
is where you don't preach that stuff anymore. It just becomes the practice. Stage three, where it becomes the practice of the above um, two, where you're practicing programs and people, but also pattern and purpose. And so you are living the vision. You're living it. Now, I'm not saying this to boast, but, you know, I get phone calls from people going, we were in a cafe, and we're sitting in a cafe, and they had like a blackboard on the cafe wall, and on the cafe wall was, thank you to Edge Church for providing this, this, and this for our community. What's happening is our people are doing it now within the parameters of the vision without even checking with anyone. We've given the church permission to live within boundaries. God gives us boundaries, not boxes. Boxes control you. Boundaries release you. But we still got to have boundaries. And so what's happened now is Edge Church... In 22 years of leading it, we've gone from stage one to stage two to stage three. And by the time you get to stage three, you can tell the quality of a church by the people that leave it. Because by the time we got to stage three, not one of our good leaders left. Not one of people that have been touched by God through the vision left. It was just grumpy people looking for their position. And you can tell the quality of a church because if you're losing, losing all your good people that, you know, that have served the house but they, and they take people with them and you think, what's going on? They don't take people with them if you lose good people. But when you lose the wrong people, they take people with them. People get offended on friendships. Uh, with friendships, they get offended. And so you can tell the quality of a church about how people leave. And some people do need to leave in God too. So it's not like everybody is here to stay, even in a church like this. Some people come through and they go on because not everybody can reproduce you, but some people can represent you. And so some people come and in stage one and two, people can represent you. But when you get to stage three, if everyone represented you and no one reproduced you, the vision's not going to go anywhere. And I really believe God is preparing churches. I mean, this is, I'm going through this quickly, uh, but I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment that totally changed our lives um, that makes this come to pass. So can I give you some scriptures, write them down. You can read them in your own time. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You wondered if I was ever going to open a Bible, eh? This is all Bible. But let me say, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 um, and verse 18. When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him. Isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that Paul mentions Titus, but the other guy says the other brother. How offended could the other brother become when his name doesn't even get mentioned? We've got to be prepared to be the silent partner. It was... Paul and Silas. And at midnight, when after Paul's and Silas' back have been stripped, Paul says, shall we sing one of the latest Hillsong songs? And Silas could have said, you're an idiot. If you hadn't opened your mouth out on the street today, we wouldn't have these bleeding blacks backs right now. You want me to sing? Sing solo, mate. I'm not singing with you. But silent Silas never said a word when Paul confronted a demon-possessed woman. But now when it's time to sing, he's in partnership. And silent Silas is singing with Paul, even though he was silent all through that conversation that happened on the street. When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No. Listen to this very carefully. We have the same spirit... We walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. There's your ownership church right there. There's your stage two right now. It's not everybody having their own way, 
we walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way because we have the same spirit. Now, prophetically this afternoon, as I was praying in my room, the Lord said, I want you to compare that scripture with 1 Corinthians 11.18. In 1 Corinthians 11.18, it says this, First I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. Now, I don't believe that's happening here, but listen to what I'm going to read. And to some extent I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you. You're joking, aren't you? There must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognised. I'm going to say something to you today that I pray you'll never forget. There is such a thing as blessed division. Not all divisions from the devil. Sometimes God has to remove to improve. Because I'm going to give you my definition of DNA that God gave me. DNA to me means a divine natural alignment. Now let me give you an earthy one. That's a spiritual one. Divine natural alignment. Another way of saying it in everyday terms, a deep natural alignment. You know, we've lost thousands of people out of our church. Every time the church has grown, not gone backwards. But what I didn't realise is when we went into stage two, the people that joined us in stage two were the people that had the giftings to help us in stage two. And the people that left us were the people that didn't want to leave stage one. And you know what they do? They go to another church and they bottleneck that church. They get leadership positions straight away because the church thinks, look, we've got all these new people. And so what happens is they go good for a while and then after a while it all starts all over again. And that's why there are many divorces in the Christian church. People marry a church, they don't like what happens, they divorce that church, go marry another church, and so it just goes on and on and on. Do you know right now in stage three at Edge, a lot of the people that left us in stage one are coming home. They're saying we should have never left. And they're all coming home and going, we wished we'd never left. We didn't pay the price because we thought you were going to burn people out. We thought you were going to kill people and I lost my kids. People have come to me with tears in their eyes going, we left the church and the Lord spoke to me one day. I had two staff members, listen to this, two staff members, Christian counsellors, running my Christian counselling organisation and they came in and resigned because I wouldn't give them a full-time role on the staff. I wanted the counselling department to be separate from our pastoral care. They got offended. They wrote me a letter. And the Holy Spirit, they came and said goodbye to me, and they hugged me, and they said, we love you, Pastor Danny, but we just feel the Lord's moving us on. We feel led in the Spirit to move on. And so what happened is they walked out the door... The Holy Spirit said this to me. Now, please don't take it as a threat. Please, please, please. I'm a pastor. I don't want to hurt you by saying this. The Lord said people who deliberately bring division to God's body will end up incurring division in their own body. And I thought, Lord Jesus, listen to me carefully. Christian counsellors, psychologists. One of them's had an affair and walked out on his wife and the other one's been having an affair with one of the other Christian counsellors. And God said to me, when they walked out the door, I turned to my eldership again. Because they're not leaving like they're saying they're leaving. There is issues, but they're not willing to talk about it. And because they're not willing to talk about it, because we didn't give them the role that they wanted. This is being recorded, and I'm happy for them to hear this. Because I know these guys now, they've lost their kids to the Lord. Their marriages have hit the wall. 
You can't bring division to God's body without there being... It's just like the law of gravity. It will affect your own body. Let's not take that as a scary thing. Let's take it as a protective thing and say, God... And so now, stage three, we are living the culture and it's been amazing uh, how that has happened. You see, the Bible is our pattern. And when we build according to the pattern, I spoke to the leaders yesterday about we've lost the Bible. This is not a devotional. It's a non-negotiable. This is not just a devotional where you put your finger in and get your lucky dip for the week. You might as well read the fortune-telling stuff at the back of New Idea. This is not just to get your devotional, but thank God it is a devotional. We don't want it not to be a devotional, but it's a directional as well. And it's our roadmap to how we do life. And I said to the pastors yesterday, in Exodus chapter 20, there's a pattern for how we do relation. The Ten Commandments, the first four are upwards on how we handle God. And the next six are on how we handle each other. I'm sure you know that. Exodus 21 is a pattern for serving. Exodus 25 is a pattern for giving. Exodus chapter 26 is a pattern for building. And all these are repeated in the New Testament. Exodus chapter 28, and I want you to hear me. If you are going to be a leader in the church, whether you're paid by the church or not, the devil doesn't like you. And so what's going to happen is in Exodus 28, God says to Aaron, and we're all called in the New Testament to be kings and priests. He said, I want you to take your I want you to set them apart, not set them up. A lot of people want to set up their ministries. No, we're set apart. There are things that leaders don't do that the rest of the congregation does because God's called us to pay a different price. When God called me into ministry, I couldn't go to everybody's wedding on Saturday. I couldn't go to everybody's party because I was running youth at Paradise. So there's a price that leaders' public's not willing to pay. But then he says, I want you to take your sons and I want you to dress them up. And he says, I want you to put a thing on them called the ephod. And it covers the front of the priest and the back of the priest. Now, I'm not a teacher. I'm not going to go into the theology of all that. All that God said, you'll be shot at at the front and you'll be shot in the back. Welcome to the club. In Christian service, you'll be shot at. You'll be shot in the front and you'll be shot at the back. You need the ephod. You need to have a soft heart and a hard skin and a thick skin because they had to wear a garment over their heart. But listen to this. Then they had shoulder pads. You ladies that were around in the 70s and 80s, you remember the, the 80s, the shoulder pads, the wide shoulder pads with six tribes written their names in one pad and six in the other. And the Lord said, I need people that have broad shoulders that can carry other leaders, that need to be leaders of leaders. So can you imagine if you've got the ephod on and you let people shoot you in the front and shoot you in the back and you still love Jesus? You know, when my son Michael hit the wall, my middle son, a rumour was started by my mother. And my mother with dementia didn't know what she was saying and told people that I had bought three restaurants. So this rumour started all over... This rumour started all over Australia that my son Michael pretended to have cancer to steal money from church to give it to me so the two of us could go and buy these restaurants. (laughs) Now, what had happened is we had three campuses in Adelaide and we had cafes, as we do at the church, in our, in our um, church. And my mum used to visit our church before she totally lost it. And she would have coffee in the cafe. So she's telling the relatives that we had three cafes. It doesn't help that round the corner from my house is a Thai restaurant called Danny's Thai Restaurant. <laughs> do you know how many people left our church because of that? 
50 in one Sunday. Left our church because the rumour had gone round that we'd stolen money from church. With you, I made a huge mistake. You might not think it's a huge mistake, but it was, and I had to repent. I got so angry, but I didn't let it show. So I got up in church and turned it into a sarcastic joke. I said, oh, by the way, church, have you heard about my restaurants? So I'm turning it into a joke, and I'm going, I've got three restaurants I've heard. People have said that I've bought money, I've taken money, but by the way, lunch is on me next Sunday. And if you can find where any of my restaurants are, can you let me know? Because I don't know where they are. But if you can find where they are, lunch is for free. And about 50 people left our church because they thought I was being really stupid, and I was. I had to get up and apologise later, and a few weeks later, we'd been through a lot. And you've got to allow for leaders' humanity, but we don't excuse it. We just grow from it. And I said to the church, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. But it was like, you know, lunch is on me, I turned it into a big joke. And and, and it was just the brokenness inside of me, because you think, what else can go wrong? And here we are now, all these years later, the church is more the revelation of what God told us to build at the beginning now than ever before. We've got leaders that are not going anywhere. Uh, The eras of fighting have gone. But it's taken nearly 22 years because uh, success is a long obedience in the same direction. And so I want to, if I can take 10 minutes, is that okay? What I want to do is I want to show you the scripture that tied this all up for me and has been probably the most consistent that's absolutely grown our church and we can go back to it over and over again and it affects you guys and uh, you know if you go to uh, chapter 28 of Exodus I said it's a pattern for leadership can I give you some homework because I haven't got time to preach on this right now if you go to Exodus 31 I'd love you to look at this Exodus 31 is the pattern for team and it's the spirit of Bezalel And and I'll give you the notes later because we haven't got time. I've written them down for you. And the seven things of the spirit of Bezalel that builds a team. And if you guys can get together and talk about that, it'll be amazing. But the scripture is 2 Kings chapter 6 where the school of the prophets, and these guys have heard me share different messages on that. Let me give it to you with absolute simplicity. In 2 Kings chapter 6, let me read it. One day the group of the prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, This place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs there and we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. This is Elisha. Go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees, but as one of them was chopping his Chopping, his axe head fell into the river. Ah, my Lord, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut the water and floated into the water. Then the axe head rose to the surface and floated. Uh, and floated. Grab it, Elisha said to... I'm trying to go too fast. Elisha said to him, and the man reached out and grabbed it. This is the scripture that has revolutionized our church. There are three anointings that build the church. There are three powerful anointings that build the church. Number one is the apostolic anointing of the vision caster. You cannot build a church by everybody having their opinion. Someone has to be the vision caster. So here's a team of people called the school of the prophets, and they come to Elisha and they say, we see what you see. 
They didn't come to Elisha and go, we've all got our own opinion on what has to be done. They said, Elisha, as you see, we see. That's one of the biggest problems in our Western world where we want democracy rather than theocracy. If you can't have a leader that can hear from God about where to go, we are in deep yogurt. We really are. Because everybody's going to come up with a reason they haven't prayed about and no one's going to know which is God and what's not God. I have a responsibility before God to hear his voice. And the people around me, the team around me, has to be able to have the second anointing. There has to be the first anointing of vision casting. The second anointing is prophetic team to connect that vision. Someone has to cast it, but the prophetic team have to connect it. But then it's carried by individual servanthood. They are the three anointings because every one of us has got a God shape. So I'm a Christian before I'm a leader. And I was with a God shape whether I'm a pastor or not. So I'm, we're all servants, we're all prophetic, but not all of us are called to cast vision. And so they come to Elisha and they go, Elisha, we see what you see. Let each one of us, each one of us is servanthood, our own individual gift. But then there's the anointing of us. They didn't say each one is going to go different places and see what we can find. We found a place where there are logs. And we as a team are going to go down to the river and each one of us pick our own log and use our own gift to build a bigger place for us under what you see. Very good. What an incredible Very anointing. I have built Edge Church on this scripture and it speaks to me every time I read it. If you're taking notes, write this down because uh, it's very, very powerful. These guys understood how to be a team. Right? These are all P's, okay? They were prophetic. They were positive. They were practical. They got their hands dirty. Digging and chopping up poles is not the finished house. People want the finished house, but we've got to get some splinters in our fingers. So there's the prophetic. They were positive. They were practical. They understood process. They understood process. Let each one of us start by chopping down some trees. And this is going to take some process, but we have the us anointing, but we see what you see, right? They were passionate because their initiative shows that they were passionate. Elisha never came up with vision right here. They did, but it was Elisha's vision. Because they didn't come up and say, well, you're so useless as a leader and you can't come up with vision, so we've come up with vision for you. The churches I'm working with that are like that? No, because pastors are tired and exhausted. And I just believe that if the pastor can be set free to wait on God, those miracles I told you before about what happened at Edge are not for Edge, they're for all of us. Miracles for you guys and, and for you, Ross and uh, Mary Lynn, to be able to go and have that time. Uh, you, you guys need a sabbatical. Go and wait on God and you're not going to force yourself to wait on God. You're going to rest in God. And as you rest in God, he's the one that's going to speak. And so then you're going to come back and say, this is what God is saying. And then you're going to have an army of us people that go, we see what you see. And because we see what you see, you no longer can micromanage this anymore. You can't do this anymore. You need us to help build this. A lot of pastors don't let go because they don't want to hurt the church. Because they let go to the wrong people and things get screwed up. And they go, he can't let go. He can't let go. I'm not saying that about you, but it happens with a lot of pastors. They used to call me a narcissist and a control freak because I wouldn't let go. But I knew where God wanted to take the church and people wanted to pull it in a different direction. And I'm saying, but I can't because this is where God's told us we're going. 
And those people have left and gone and started other churches and those churches don't look anything like Edge Church. And now Edge Church looks like Edge Church was prophesied to be. And so as you guys need a sabbatical, you really do. Can I say it in front of everybody? Is that all right? And you need to be able to go and just rest in God. And God is going to speak louder. He's going to speak clearer. You're not going to even be wondering, is this God? You're going to know without a shadow of doubt that it's God. And you're going to come back. And as you share your vision, people are going to say, we see it. We see that. We're going to go and get our individual poles. And together as a team, we're going to be us. And as the us under what you see, we're going to build a bigger vision for us to dwell in. That's recorded. Will you take that as a word from God for you? Can you reach your hand out to your pastors right now? Father God, I just thank you today for our brother and sister and we thank you for their lives. Father, I don't feel in any way that anybody here disrespects them or doesn't want to follow them. I feel I'm getting the amen from these people because it's what's in their hearts. Uh, I just want you to say there are people in this room, I'm just feeling it right now in the Holy Ghost, there are people in this room that have been worried about you. They've been worried about your, your, uh, Mary Lynn, they've been worried about you, they've been worried about your health, about your strength, and they don't want to say anything because they don't want to be negative or anything, but they want you to be refreshed. They, 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 they take this word to say, this is exactly what we need right now. And so, Father, I pray that you will bring clarity on how to step this out and that we'll know real soon exactly what needs to happen because, Father, you are taking this church to stage two and three. And, Father, you are moving things forward for multiplication. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You see, and I believe that this is what's going to be your stamp. I believe these guys, they understood that Elisha, see, they saw him at Bethel. They saw him at Jericho. They saw him at Jordan. He'd earned the right to be heard with them. And you guys have earned the right to be heard with this church. They know you're not here fly by night and looking for better things. You've laid your life down for these people. You love them. And that's why they could give that response to Elisha because he imparted vision clearly. He wasn't insecure. He'd learnt the right to be heard. He was flexible. He was totally flexible. Hey, Elisha, we do this unless you supervise us. Will you come with us? He goes, all right then, I'll come. But he told him to go and do it. So there was total trust that they could do it. But they said, but we need your leadership. Elisha, we need your covering. And so he says, okay, I'll come. And so what an amazing picture in this story when you go and read. I'd never read this anywhere. God gives it to me and we've built our church on it. He was flexible. He was teachable. He allowed people under him to come up with vision that fitted within the boundaries of his vision casting. He didn't say, well, when God tells me, that's when we'll do it. No, he goes, okay, guys, I get it. I hear what you're saying. So he was teachable. He developed people by releasing and supervising. A lot of people release, but they don't supervise. And what he did was he went with them so that when the guy loses his axe head, he doesn't run to his mates. He runs to his spiritual dad. And you know what's happening all over Australia? Churches are starting right now with people that are mates, but there's no dads. And when stuff, when people lose their cutting edge, there's no dad to run to. The guy didn't go to his mates and go, I am in for it. When Elisha finds out that I borrowed this axe... And I've, he's going to kill me. No, he went straight to Elisha. What does that say about Elisha's fathering? That a guy could make a mistake and not feel he's going to lose his head. And he, he comes to his spiritual dad and he goes, I lost my axe head and it was borrowed. And Elisha didn't say, you flippin' idiot. What, 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 what's wrong with you? Where's your own axe? See, borrowed anointings never work. But anyway, um, <laughs> that was a borrowed anointing. But we won't talk about that. But, but he doesn't get told off. He goes... Where did you lose it? 
And then listen to this. Elisha does the supernatural bit that the guy can't do and then says to the guy, pick up the axe head. He doesn't pick it up for him because a good leader knows what to let the leader grow through and what they've got to pick up and the part they've got to do that the leader can't do. What an incredible picture in the Bible is this. It's great, isn't it? You know, And, uh, and this is what's built our church and we're going to finish now. And so he walked with his people. He was teachable and I just pray over this leadership. I pray, Father, that the leadership of this house will always, dear God, always be the kind of leadership that imparts vision, that's not insecure, that's earned the right to be heard, that's flexible, teachable, developing people by releasing and supervising, asking the right questions and walking in unity with the we, the us, the you, the me, anointing as we build according to the pattern. So I don't know if that's blessed you today. I wanted to speak to you prophetically that the best is yet to come. And that's not a Brian Houston statement. That's a God statement. And God's got great things for this church. And it's amazing when the shift comes when we're the most tired. You guys have been tired. And what happens is when you're tired, the enemy goes, well, maybe you need to hand this thing over. Or maybe this needs to happen or that needs to happen. Never hand anything over when you're tired. We always do things in a positive season because I've handed the church over not when I was tired, but when God said it's now because I've got something else for you to do. And God's blessing my world more than ever before. And he's blessing Edge Church and it's a win-win. So may it be a win-win for everybody because clarity is coming like you've never known before, but not without a sabbatical. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Men, thank you, everybody. Wow, that was a that was some food, spiritual food to meditate on. Thanks, Danny, for sharing your heart and for sharing the word of the Lord. And God's taking us on a journey, and and I know. I know that God has planted this church for amazing things. We've been here over 16 years. And many of you know, the day I walked through those doors, we used to have a, that, a door there and a door there. The day I walked through the doors, I had an open vision of what God was going to do. And I don't see them very often. This is the day we came to preach in August 2001. Then we were going to be interviewed by the, past, by the leaders and they took three, three months to go through the process of... But I, the day I walked through the doors, I had an open vision. I staggered to my seat, so overwhelmed by what God showed me. And so we've lived in this divine journey. And at times I get frustrated. I think, God, we just, we're closer, but we're not there yet. And at times, Marilyn and I think, God, what are you doing? And we know we're... We've seen a lot of amazing things, but we know we've only just, there's so much more. And God showed me, he says, there will be hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. And we've seen amazing things. He, he said this city and this church used to be a place of great spiritual influence. But for the last 10 years or more, that's what he told me in 2001, it's lost its way and it's become a backwater. These are the words I get as I walk through the doors. And I staggered to my seat I didn't say anything to anyone in this church for over a year and then I spoke to my leaders I didn't say anything except Marilyn and I because I didn't want to influence anyone 
in the decisions because I knew it was God. And there was so much more he said. And he said, the days will come where this church and this city will become a place of significant spiritual influence and power and breakthrough and overflow. And so much of that happened. And about every two or three years since, God gives me... And we've made significant progress, but I know what Denny shared is true, that we're in the process of moving into a stage two process. And, uh, and I know God has shown us so, so clearly. And that's why I connect with people like Danny, because I know I need that d- dynamic to take us to the next level. And so I know this is a journey, and people have come and gone, but many of you have stayed, and others are being added to us. And at times, it's just so profound. And some of the prophetic words just... And I I record every key prophetic word, and I've got them all in order and written down, and I record them, and God speaks to me, and I write them down. And we've seen so much happen, and we've seen God raise up leaders to walk and support us. But we're in a major restructuring, and and changes are happening. uh, We want to know how to delegate and raise up leaders much quicker and much more powerfully to another whole level and we're on that journey of discovering how to do that and and I just know and three years ago we're in in Melbourne and and I've shared the story where I was at Planet Shakers and and we had a divine moment of connection and God spoke to me so clearly and I knew it was so clear and I knew it was God because God always gives Marilyn the detail and he gives me the big picture. This time he gave me the detail and her the big picture so that we both knew this was God. You know? And he, he said, I'm going to release four, at least $4 million to build your next building. I'm going to release at least 4,000 souls in this city for the kingdom, at least 400 notable miracles. It came within seconds to me and I was on my face before God. And and I've had moments like that every two or three years it comes again with such power. And Russell Evans called me out in the crowd and said, this is what will happen. And from the next Sunday I came back, two people got instantly healed of heart disease. And I, I've seen that, but it just comes and goes. And it's like it's, it's like God just keeps us on the journey running after it, but it just comes and goes. And I think, Lord, what, what's part are we not connecting or running with? Or I know, I, I know God's enlarging us for the journey he's enlarging the team for the journey he's enlarging our church and uh, maybe we're slow or maybe it just takes longer because sometimes the bigger the thing that happens the longer the preparation and I know that that's what God's up to and it's powerful it's profound it's humbling and at times we feel inadequate we think God are we missing something that it's taken so long to get there and and this just confirms again. And so we want to see what God said to come to pass. We've seen many amazing miracles. We've seen many dr- strong um, transformations. We've seen influence in our city that just is powerful. But there's so, so much more. And God's teaching us how to... Second Kings 6. And that was my devotions yesterday morning, Second Kings 6. Second Kings 6, I'm going through the Old Testament. That's where I was yesterday morning. And I've got one question out of it, Danny, which I saw that I've never seen before. I'm reading it, and the guy loses his axe head. And I read it for the first time I saw it, that Elijah, Elisha went and 
said, cut a stick and throw it in. My question is, why didn't he throw in the original handle that the axe fell off? And I don't have the answer. But it's like he went and cut a new stick and threw it in. It was a borrowed stick. It wasn't his own. Okay. And I've never seen that before. The word of God just comes alive to me all the time like that now. I read stuff and I've never seen it before. Nearly every week I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. So I know we're on this incredible prophetic journey. I go home most often Sundays so excited but so frustrated. Because some Sundays before I come I see all this stuff happening and I see only about 10% of it actually manifest. And I think, but it's very powerful. I, I wake up with dreams, I see stuff and I know it's not just hope, it's God shows me and then I only see about 10% of it happen. I think, God, what are you up to? But I know we're on this journey and maybe he's reshaping us so that we can carry the level of anointing that he wants to do in and through us. He's teaching us how to do team properly. He's teaching us how to delegate and release and all of that. And I just know that so much of what you've shared, Danny, has just stirred my heart. And we're going to run and embrace it. Why don't we stand together in his presence for a moment and just lift our hands to heaven for a moment. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you of what God's brought you into this house for and we're all in leadership or teams. Just let the Holy Spirit clarify and confirm what he's called you to do, because he's really calling some of us to step up to another level. He's calling a whole lot of us that have been in stage one and enjoying and serving, but quite comfortable for some of us. Others of us are on the, the stretch. But in the spirit, I feel that God's saying he's calling many of us to be willing to step up, to carry a greater anointing. To carry a greater load, not to be work harder or to be overwhelmed, but just for our spiritual capacity. I see God is bringing that. And, and last week, because God spoke to me, he said, this year it's about more than you've seen. More, more, more. That's our theme scripture. And I felt the Lord say as I was praying just last week, he said, I'm shifting and sifting people's minds and hearts so they can carry more anointing, but they're also going to carry more weight and more authority in the spirit. And I just know that God's calling some of us. And some of you have been going through a wrestling inside saying, where this, is this all fit? And what are you doing? There's a sifting and things that you've done. You're not being fulfilled anymore because there's, there's more coming and there's a, a rising. There's a reprioritizing in people's hearts and souls. And the Spirit of God is calling us as team to arise. And like Danny said, are you willing to keep saying yes? Are you willing to keep saying yes to the call, to the... The, the drawing, the enlarging. And there's some that this year God's calling you to really step in to a fresh level of authority and maturity. And oh, and I see the team. I look out now and I see, I see hands raised and I see a team that God's going to take our hands and lead us and show us how, how to get there. Oh, Holy Spirit. Do it by your Spirit. Danny, can you come and pray? over us as a team i don't normally do this because I, I submit this to you and i won't be offended if you feel it's not right i really mean that but i'd love to come back and help that journey
because I'm helping churches with that journey. I'll come for nothing. I just want to come and help find people's God shapes because I think, you know, when God calls us, we don't have it all. You know, we've got parts of it and that's where we need each other. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to because I've made those mistakes and I, want, I don't want people to make them. And so if there's anything, I'm just saying anything we can do to help, Thanks, to be able to come and sit with individual people and work out their God shape, not oh, titles, and see people put in their ministry giftings and their ascension giftings. Yes. And I really sit in there and I can't shake it saying, make yourself available so that you as a church know he's not doing this on his own. You need to know as a team that I'll stand with him. And this is not about you, you know, looking after me. It's about getting the kingdom of God established. Father, today, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that there were four guys that were nameless and faceless who took a crippled man to a house where you were, Jesus, and they lowered him through a roof. And I'm just so grateful today, Lord, that those men went walking at the same pace. They had the same passion. They had the same purpose, but different positions. They couldn't have all stood on the one corner of the stretcher. And so I pray in this new season that, Lord, we won't all end up in that one place that we think is a place that people should be, but we'll all be in our own corner, knowing where you have God Jesus. shaped us to be. God. That we will take churches that are hurting and grow them. Jesus. For Lord, you want this church to be an example to other churches in regions, to know that it doesn't just happen in the city, it happens in regions, and it happens because you're using places like this to be a model that others can follow. Jesus. Father, we surrender to being the model oh, that you God. want us to be. Jesus. And Father, I pray today with all my heart that Lord, we will see this house, Lord, become all all that you ordained it to be. There'll yes, be no Father. church politics. Oh, There'll be no carnality. God. Father, as we say yes to you, we say no to carnality. Oh, as we say yes to you, we say no to church politics. As we say yes, yes. to you, we say no to carnal change. But as we oh, say God. yes to you, we say yes to divine change. We say oh, yes to God. divine oh, connection and we will build your divine culture. May the word oh, of God be life. I pray that the team of this church, where they study the scripture, will get the amen and the confirmation in their hearts of what you're saying to the overall vision. Father, by faith today, we step into alignment for assignment and we say, take us, Lord, we will go. We will move forward and we will do what you've called us to do. We pray for clarity of voice. Clarity, clarity, clarity. I just want to close by saying this to you all prophetically right now. And in Revelation chapter 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, it doesn't say if anyone hears my knock. And you need to hear this today, that God will sometimes knock at the door of a church with issues, things happen, things grab our attention, people move on, we didn't know we're going to move on, and all kinds of things happen. And if we just make comments about the knock, and we don't stop and hear His voice, he can't come in and take us to the place where he will eat with us and sup with us and dine with us. And the Lord will allow knocks to come on the door because it's him that's trying to get our attention. But with that knock, we're not going to listen to the knock or give attention to the knock. We're going to listen to his voice. And Father, I pray that your voice will be so clear in this new era, in this new season, that Lord, there'll be no doubt that you have knocked on our door, but we're listening oh, to God. your voice and we're going to do what you tell us to do. So we're grateful for you Jesus and I'm grateful for a great team of people that are willing to step out in faith thank you for that in Jesus name Amen Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church